always enjoy some risk and some of that risk has got me into trouble. I was in a very, very controlling relationship for a long time and definitely lost who I am and the essence of who I am. I was working for corporate for a lot of years. If I died tomorrow, I'd be replaced probably by the following week or two weeks later. I managed to get a job when I was 15. You know, I mean, I was always a hustler. It's been driven from a place of not having and I've got to change this. It's been the biggest 360 moment. You can't help but reflect when your child's that age. Gosh, you really are a child still trying to do a lot of adult things. Grace is something that I'm working on for sure. That's something I haven't had. And I think that sometimes don't have time to sit in that moment and think, wow, you're really doing a lot. Panic is not a word that I would associate myself with at all. No one's coming to save me. Pivot was the word that I used instead of panic. A lot of entrepreneurship is actually about problem solving. Gosh. People want to see me win and it was such a revelation. Some people don't want to see you win and that's okay. No problem. We need that to rip this whole thing. And within three weeks, I won my first deal and it was a £20,000 piece of business. It was a lot of money and that kept us going for like four or five months and then I managed to bring in business after that. It pushed me to blooming do it and I did. In terms of being a businesswoman and scaling business, doing lots of different things, I actually love being a mom. The children are always the priority, but there is sacrifice. She is way more respectful than I was because my biggest fear is... And welcome to Everyday Leadership, a podcast where you get to listen and learn how to lead yourself personally and professionally through the lessons and life experiences my guests share in the hope that it challenges and inspires you to lead yourself from the inside out and not the outside in. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Leadership. And it's always a pleasure to be able to have a conversation with amazing people and people that I can also call um, a friend. And today, have both. Um, I have Skylin Allen Horton, who is the founder and director of Harper Box Partners, a global multi-award winning um, recruitment firm. She is amazing. Our mother, she is a previous apprentice finalist. She is an ambassador of strategy um, ambassador of We Are Domestic Abuse and someone who I found really remarkable in so many ways, in ways that I actually don't think is very visible. And hopefully we're going to get into a conversation today and pull out some of those nuggets out of her. Um, but Scarlett, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Shafe. Very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So my first question to you is, who would you say you are when you describe yourself? Who would I say that I am? Yeah. You know what? That is... Uh... Very chauffeur question. That is, <laughs> thanks for that. That is, that is something. Identity is something that I've really been working on massively, and um, I've been asking myself that question for about twelve years. And um, I'll be vulnerable because we were just talking about vulnerability, and I, I was in a very, very controlling relationship for a long time, and definitely lost who I am and the essence of who I am. So I've really tried to work in these last 12 years to understand who I am. And I think in answer to your question, I now understand the things that I like and dislike. Um, but more importantly, I think actually the core of who I am and I hope to be is a really good person. 
um, without sounding cheesy in any way, that actually um, really brings some positive things to the world and to other people. And I think actually that's the core of who I hope I am and I absolutely want to be. When you say you, you now know the things that you like and dislike, I'm almost very curious, like, what are the things that you like and dislike? Food is a real like of mine. <laughs> so things... Any particular cuisines that are like, yeah, this is this is Scarlet all day, every day? Yeah, I'm half Kashmiri, so half Pakistani, and um, I really like Asian food. Like, I've just come to realise that I absolutely do love Asian food. Um, and I really like East Asian food as well, so gone down a slightly different viewpoint but yeah very keen on kind of food some of the things that ignite my passion some of maybe the books the podcasts that I enjoy the things that I want to listen to um you know very very hot on kind of self-development continuous improvement authenticity um so yeah those are the things that I and you know what I really like and love actually I really love being a mother and um Sometimes, and this is changing, I think, but sometimes it's an interesting mix or one that we're not always used to seeing as much. It's getting way better in terms of transparency, in terms of being a businesswoman and scaling business, doing lots of different things. But I actually love being a mom. Really love it. Like really kind of homebody. Love that. And that's quite an interesting combination that I don't think is talked about that much or sometimes is a view that maybe that's difficult or not possible to achieve. How do you think, well, never how, that view of being a mum, loving being a mum, but also being a business owner isn't comes down to the whole people feel that you can't have it all and do it all or even some things that I know that a lot of women in particular go through of when you're running a successful business, not being able to attend all the dance recitals, be there for your child, put your kid to bed, all that kind of stuff. It can be very, very hard to be able to balance or try and balance all of that. And, and I'll be honest, I don't think you can have it all. I think that when you operate at a certain level or the certain levels, and I mean that in kind of corporate or from an entrepreneurship space, so maybe you go home and it gets to maybe five o'clock and you can't always completely switch off. Um, or you work 40 hour weeks, 50, 60, 70 hour weeks. Um, or like me, you have 10, 10 billion different ideas of new things that I want to start tomorrow. <laughs> Do you want to get involved, Shabbe? It's, it's hard. Um, and I think that it would not be being completely transparent for me to say, oh gosh, yeah, you can have it all. You know, you can be dressed like this and be at the dance recital and be, no. That's not true. And I think the truth is the sacrifice and this prioritization and those can change depending on what happens. Obviously, the children are always the priority, but there is sacrifice. And um, the main reason, aside from other things, that I started this business five and a half years ago was because I wanted to do the schooling. That was my main priority. How do I provide for my children? I've brought them up alone. How do I provide for the children? And how do I drop them to school and pick them up? Pretty much, well, every day, unless I'm traveling every day, how do I do that? And then I'm just accountable for them. They're accountable to me and I can spend time with them on the way to and from school. And that was the main driver. And that is what I've done every single day since, aside from travel. That's amazing. 
I think there are times when people underestimate the small little things and how to make an impact effect. But listen, I learned because recently I travel a lot and I have a day when I'll, my, I'll take my, my wife's also, I take my daughter to school. And the days when I'm away, when that doesn't happen, she's always on me like, Daddy, seriously, you have to make up for this. <laughs> but every single time, like today was, today was Wednesday. So Wednesday's my day where literally I drop her off to school. She puts her playlist on, which is normally musicals, oh Lord. And <laughs> she sings along all the way to school. She looks forward to it every single week. Yeah, it's beautiful. And the days when it don't, doesn't happen, she's actually disappointed. So you've been able to do that consistently for the last five and a half years. That's remarkable. Yeah, thank you. And that, and, and don't get me wrong, and that's prior to hardly doing it at all. Before school club, after school club, my mum was a fantastic support initially. All of that sort of stuff. And I just thought, oh, I can't, I can't. Like, I just adore my children. And and by the way, I totally understand people that are doing the before school. Like, I've done that for years and years. It was just for me personally. My children were starting to get older and I thought, this is a real priority for me. Um, and without sounding morbid as working for corporate for a lot of years um really enjoyed it you know gratefully was very successful within that environment but I also knew like again without sounding morbid if I died tomorrow I'd be replaced probably by the following week or two weeks later um and they might be a bit sad for a day or two and then they'd get over it and crack on and that's the truth and it's where do the priorities sit and that was the balance for me personally mentioned your your mom and one of the things that i know you are very very passionate about you you speak about you mentor about is around gender equality it's around promoting women and ethnic minorities into senior roles and i'm curious how much of you growing up with a single mom and your auntie who both came from care and raising an environment which had a lot of people around you how much was that ingrained in you to then be in a position where you're like, I also want to make a difference because some of these people remind me of people like your mom. Yeah, 100%. That's, you know, a lot of Irish out there. Um, yeah, um, I would definitely say the experiences of growing up. Um, we were uh, brought up in inner city Birmingham, um, moved around a lot, saw a lot. Um, I went into youth-supported accommodation when I was 16. Um, and I'd say that the environment of having a formidable and incredible mom and auntie, um, very, very strong females, um, very matriarchal. And then some of the experiences that I went on to see when growing up and experience, particularly when I went into the workplace, and then having children of colour too, it's deep inside, and I'd say it's been deep inside me for a long, long time, um, that I knew that we're going to make some really positive change here, and I can't help myself but do it. And that's kind of what's happened. Did you say you've always been bold, courageous, confident, especially if I go back into like a younger teenager, you just talked about you and you left home at 16, and that was because you got into back and forth with your mum, and you've not had enough <laughs> I ask you to, to move out. So you always had this, I'm going to call it this courageous, confident attitude about yourself that, you know what, I'm just going to figure things out. Or were you a quieter child? No, I was. I would say that I always enjoy some risk. And some of that risk has got me into trouble with some of the life choices that I've made. <laughs> and that's for me being transparent. Um, but 
there has always been, I think, an inner confidence. And there is a difference between self-worth and confidence, to be clear. And that one's the one I'm working on still. Um, but there is an inner confidence. And I think that I knew that if I performed really well, whatever I did, there is a perfectionism in me, um, that I could change those things. And that was kind of my theory. How do I be better than the people that I'm working around? How can I out? And it wasn't, I got on with everyone always. It was just how can I outperform them so I can progress or I could earn more money or, I, I, you know, is this constant challenge? Um, and that hasn't changed. That hasn't changed. And I don't know if that is a character trait or if that is because of circumstances. I suspect it's some nature and some nurture. But I was that 16-year-old that was, you know, working out how I'm going to jump on three buses to get to Ikea to buy a pot that I'd seen to bring into supported accommodation where I had no furniture. I was that person because, chope, I was going to make it happen. And if it was the only thing I had was that pot that I wanted with the nice handle, which I've still got, I would like to say it's my rice pot, then that is what was going to happen. Obviously, you just got it. Still got it. I cooked rice on it last night. I tell you what, Ikea, you can't go wrong with some things. <laughs> and we are not promoting them. <laughs> But and, and I've always had that kind of, you know, and it's served me and sometimes it hasn't. I've made loads of mistakes. Um, and I do think, and I don't know if you can relate to this, I think part of you has to be a little bit delusional to do some of the things that I've done. I, I don't, in my head, I'm like, it's just going to work. And sometimes it hasn't, as I say, sometimes it, it has. But you almost have to be like brave enough to even think that it's possible. And it is a bit of delusion. For sure. That's why I guess I'm surprised when you say there's a there's a difference in confidence and self-worth. And you say you're working in a self-worth piece, but then you hear you say that for you to have that brazen approach, that audacious approach, which I 100% agree with, you have to be delusional sometimes. For me, that also goes into self-worth, though. So I think there's different parts of self, isn't there? Not trying to make this a therapy session, but I do love therapy. So <laughs> I think there's different parts of self. So I think in work and in professional circumstances, you can bring a certain self and you probably find that when you're in big corporate rooms and you're leading, you know, conversations with very senior leaders and you're influencing them, it's a certain self that you're bringing to that environment. And maybe you're a different self when you're in the car with your daughter taking her to school and there's a different vulnerability or a different softness. And I would say that's what it was. So within this environment of achievement, one thing I always knew I needed was money didn't come from money at all very very humble background I then had children very young and I had nothing and I was like you know there was an absolute scarcity mindset and it's something I still struggle with sometimes in terms of having that scarcity mindset and trying to change it to abundance and seeing it as energy and all that good stuff um but the reality is is that yeah it's it's been driven from a place of not having and I've got to change this. And that was initially the core driver when I was 16, 17. Younger than that, I was a milkman's assistant at 13. You know, I managed to get a job when I was 15 without a uh, national employer sure card because I said I was 16. You know, I mean, I was always a hustler, trust me, always, always. 16 years old at 19, it was 19, 20 when you had your first daughter. And then 24, you had the second one as well? Yeah, I think 23 or 24. Yeah, yeah. So you started off quite early. Yeah. And now I'm guessing 
when you look back, your daughter's obviously first, what's your first daughter? Is past one. First daughter's about to be 16 next month, yeah. About to say, the she's same the same age, age was that you were. When you... Yes. Let me tell you, let me tell you something. It's been the biggest 360 moment of my life. That's when I met their dad. I was with their dad for a long time, um, you know, prior to splitting. And um, that's, uh, I tell you what, the biggest 360 moment. Even now, I can't quite, I can't believe that she's because she feels so young to me and it's made me probably view myself at that age now because you can't help but reflect when your child's that age uh with a much kinder eyes and realize gosh you really are a child still trying to do a lot of adult things how much grace do you extend to yourself when you look back to your start having children young and still being able to achieve so much Something I'm massively working on. Yeah, grace is grace is a beautiful word, and I think something that I'm really working on. And I think her turning about to turn sixteen has really helped me to look at it all through quite different eyes. Um, and probably have some moment, and you know, I hope to think I'm pretty humble, but like be a bit proud of more. Just like wow, you know, like you really did have that get up and go from a very very young age. Because um, my daughter's the creative. Chopin, she's a creative. She's not sure what she's going to do. I was like, I was working 10 jobs by your age. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I realised that different people are different, you know. Um, I love that about her. But um, that's the reality. And um, Grace is something that I'm working on for sure. Um, but yeah, that's that's something I haven't had. And, and I think that sometimes when you're on a runaway train, got to make it happen. Go, 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 go. Juggling, juggling, juggling. You sometimes don't have time or I didn't make time to sit in that moment and think, wow, you're really doing a lot. Um, and it's probably when other people say it to me, particularly I had one of my friends who I grew up with in supported accommodation message me just the other day. She's like, oh my gosh, I can't, you know, and we're laughing about how we used to share one plate of food between the three of us, like very regularly or not eat for the day, very regularly and laughing our heads off about it because we have fun memories um and that feels like i could just go back to that to later today that would feel comfortable for me to go back to this is more of an adjustment it's a good adjustment i hope so and i think when people listen to that they think yeah but you know what i you have an amazing firm that you've kind of built out and you've won lots of awards and you have a seven-figure business and you're, like I said, you're a mother of two amazing kids and you seem to be winning in every single space that people look at you externally. But that's why I think it's always interesting to actually really understand people and their drivers and even the journey that, regardless of what achievements you have, there's still a lot of, I guess, battles and challenges that we are all going through because we are all human, regardless of what you see. Yeah, and, and you know, I've definitely sat identity, and we talked about this at the start, is really important. And sometimes um, I'm learning. I wouldn't even say I've learned. I think I'm coming to terms with the fact that identity changes. Your own identity, innately who you are, I don't think changes. Um, that much. I think you evolve amazing, but I think the innately, the core character is kind of who you are. But identity, I think, does change and needs to change. And for me personally, I've sat in outside of work, probably quite a traumatized place personally, 
of thinking that a certain circumstance was my identity and that's impacted and affected every single area of my life everything that I've gone on to do it has impacted um and something that I'm now realizing and it is only recent genuinely is that maybe that identity I don't relate to anymore and maybe it's time for me to let go of that identity because that's holding me in a certain place that doesn't serve me and maybe I can flow into something different and it's almost like daring to do that because that's very scary there's sometimes a comfortability in what doesn't serve us but yet is familiar to us and it's very scary to do something that feels unfamiliar um but actually could serve us so much more so what is it that will drive you and shift you to step out of what doesn't serve you and fully step into what will serve you honestly believing that i can yeah i think when you've had a certain mindset and um sometimes you can believe what other people or someone has said to you and it can get right at the core right at the core of who you are but that isn't that isn't correct and it's listening to your voice louder than anyone else's um and that has been a 20-year process honestly yeah but I can feel that I feel happier and connected to myself and I think it's trusting yourself and when you've not always made wise decisions because things can look good oh the business so this saw you doing keynotes oh my gosh amazing but trust me I made some I made some real mistakes that have affected all of us me and my children very much so um and the way I've gone about things certainly hasn't always been the best way now um it's sometimes scary to then think you can trust I can trust what I think and I can trust myself so that has been the big challenge right at the core right now Shafay but yeah one of the things that I said right at the start is I like speaking to remarkable people one of the things that strikes me about your journey that I think makes you remarkable actually is when you think about the you talk about the 20 year journey in theory when that 20 year journey you had two children uh, you were in a, in a relationship which kind of related to where it was like it wasn't the greatest uh, relationship which had a lot of trauma attached to that and even before you started Harper Fox five years ago you had three organizations that you work for recruitment but in every single one of those organizations you won numerous amount of awards and worked your way upwards so from a professional standpoint despite all the mental and emotional things you were dealing with and navigating and still being a young person and trying to figure out life and be responsible for the people you were still thriving professionally being able to manage to hold all those two things together is not the easiest thing to do. Yeah. And what I've come, thank you, by the way, that actually has just made me feel a bit emotional. Because <laughs> I think when you hear someone say that from someone you really respect, like, I'm really grateful. Thank you for saying that. Um, and what I've now learned is that is called hyperfunctioning. So you might be going through something here and a positive byproduct of trauma is hyperfunctioning. So you are really high performing 
in other areas of your life and you often will find I'm really interested and I touched on this really interested in the trauma to success piece you often find people that are very high performing there's something that's really driven that hmm. so is it is high performance or hyper performing hyper hyper functioning an escapism where it's like, you know, in one area of my life, at least I'm, everything's going to go well. I'm going to 100% commit to that. Whereas the other parts, which no one can really see, I can hide behind and I'm going through stuff. Is that what that looks like? I, I don't know. You know, you've just given me a different perspective, actually. One that probably makes more sense. Um, so for me personally, I think always super driven in that way. Like I said, there was a scarcity mindset. So there was definitely this drive from prior. Um, from a very young age um, and actually I slightly different rate but I did competitive swimming and gymnastics to a very high level when I was younger Impact. and I, I noticed it in sports people and I'm not acting like I'm a, I mean pro football around here but I noticed the same thing and I think because you're used to driving performance and you're used to putting in the work uh, you know a warm-up was 50 lengths and you you're swimming six days a week um, for county and youth England things like that you um I think it, it really helps to shape a certain mindset as well. So I do think that's a factor for sure. Um, but then the third thing is, I would say for me personally, that I wasn't in control of my home life at all. Um, and some of my home life, um, my my children's dad went to prison for nearly a decade um, with drug-related activity. And that meant that we were in circumstances, and we met very young and they escalated, and, and that meant that you're in circumstances that actually, aside from him, can feel unsafe. You just don't know what's going to happen, if the police are going to come, if anyone's going to come to the house at any time. You're having to move. No one can know where you live. Um, curtains are drawn. And it creates an environment that then when you go to workplace, there's a slight persona. There is a complete persona, actually. Um, and I think that's all fed into that high performance that, so then you sort of, and then you go back to, and that's why I'm so passionate now about authenticity and vulnerability, probably because I couldn't be those things. And that is my natural character or I chose not to be given circumstances for a long time. It's only that I've stepped into those things since doing the apprentice, um, you know, being Lord Sugar's, Sugar's business partner and having a conversation with him, interestingly, that I've owned it a lot more in the last four years. Prior to that, this is a conversation we would not have had. He, did he encourage you to be more open and transparent and kind of share your journey a lot more? Yeah. So what happened was it kind of went to the papers, which I knew, it, I knew that that was likely to be the case. When you sort of can't own it, because what do you do? It's like, so you sort of, you own it, um, which I, I, I'd kind of come to that realisation and I probably was in that place, great for, you know, thankfully, but it took a long time to get there. Um, and then I remember, and you know, the, you know, Lord Sugar's character, so I wouldn't say he's full of wise, wise wisdom, but <laughs> he's got a lot of opinions. But on this occasion, <laughs> sorry, Lord Sugar. But on this occasion, um, he phoned me and I was outside the train station in Marleybone. I was in London. And he says, right, I've seen what the papers are saying, Scarlett. What are we going to do about it? Yeah, straight down the line. I was like, don't really. Don't really. Well, I don't really care. I don't really swore. I don't give up. And I was like, 
well, all right then. He went, no, you've got to make it on your own merit. It is what it is. And I thought, well, all right then. And I think there was something that kind of switched in that. And I think it kind of going to, to press, which probably enabled me to break free a bit of something that I'd probably created that was like, oh, you know, I'd always been transparent with the girls. They always knew the situation. But that's, um, yeah, that that's what happened. And that's really enabled me to step into my identity a lot more in these last four years, I would say. And hope that there's so many people that can relate, so many people that are used to going up and down to prisons and they've got father, you know, family members and children's fathers in prison and that there's a big community of those people and it's it is massively traumatic as well at times when it's long term oh, and short term and the circumstances and go around it and you know these things do happen and they happen to people that you wouldn't necessarily expect given what they're doing um and I think for me it was important to stand in that and especially for my children especially for my children that's a powerful thing to do I think a lot of times when we have histories which which can feel very traumatizing or have been very traumatizing. We feel that we want to just hide that away from the world and people don't necessarily need to know that, leaning to that. But there's something that, which I guess speaks to Lord Sugar's advice, but even that you've, I've seen about you or you've owned over the last four years in particular, was you kind of used it to help recognize it's a part of who I am and it became a stepping stone rather than the hindrance. And I think that's what happened when, so we're talking about authenticity and vulnerability, when you step into that, this is this is part of my identity. And there are elements of it which actually I can use to help and make a difference in the lives of other people by not hiding away from it. Yeah. You owned it. You own it. And you began to define your own story in a sense, which is a very, very powerful thing to do. I think it speaks to a great example of what great leaders do. Great leaders are the ones that who can be authentic, who can be vulnerable, can tap into different pieces of who they are and use that to connect with other people and to really I guess see other people in different spaces which you've done really really well yeah thank you and and I, and I think as well there was a part that was like if I don't own all of this it's like 20 years of my life wasn't there so then I'm back to being a 16 year old girl how do I explain the last like it, it doesn't it, it's so hard if it's one year you might can get away it's too it's too long too too much of a part of my life has it been and I, I'm I'm a God person and I also really believe that well if God's you know chosen me <laughs> to go through some of these trials tribulations and positive things as well that have come on the back of it there's always positives as well that it's got to be for a reason and um, and that reason might be for someone else actually so um that's that is yeah that's that is genuinely the way that i view it if you haven't already can you please follow the podcast it really helps us grow and it tells the apps that it's the podcast worth listening to which the fact that you're listening to means that it is and other people need to know about it in apple podcast if you click the three dots in the top right of your app Look for the follow button and click on it. And in Spotify, the follow button should be just below the show's artwork. Now let's get back into today's episode. How much of your of that background are you owning that would you say actually has helped set you up? Because when I think about something like the pandemic, when that happened, you're in a recruitment business, 90% of your business goes away overnight. 
Very did. A lot of people will just go into like three or four panic mode. Yeah. And obviously you have to find a way to navigate and you come back bigger, better, stronger. So how much of you actually owning that from way back has actually helped you and quit you that resilience to be able to figure out things in business? I'd say a lot. Panic. We say panic stations in our family sometimes because some of our some of our family members go into <laughs> panic stations. Panic is not a word that I would associate myself with at all. In fact, it's probably too cool. It could be a worry, like the house could be on fire and I think, hmm, have I got time to leave it? Could I pick up the new sofa? Like, I really like that. Is, <laughs> that is the worrying impact of some of this stuff. But you're quite right. The business, 90% of the business went over the line. I'm self-employed. I've got two children. I've got responsibilities in family and stuff as well. Uh, no one's coming to save me. And I just thought pivot was the word that I used instead of panic. Pivot. We're just going to go into a new sector. And we did. And actually, that's our core sector now. That's what's grown our business by like 63%. We just went into energy and renewables. Um, and it was the best move that we made. So I'd say a lot of entrepreneurship, a lot of life, but a lot of entrepreneurship is actually about problem solving. How do we make it happen? That hasn't worked. Okay, what have we learned? How do we make it happen? How do we make it happen? Because if you're getting upset and panicking about this, it's going to take 50,000 sometimes, 50 more tries to get to here, to get to where you mean to, do not stop at first hurdle, you know, and that is what happened. What are some of the things that you have learned as a business owner that have surprised you? People want to see you win. I came from a really cutthroat environment before, one that I did really well in, had lots of, you know, lots of associates, didn't get too close to people because I couldn't be my authentic self, but got on really well with everybody always, great relationships. But that environment or those environments were highly competitive. Everyone's like this, not everyone's collaborative. And maybe that's the environment that I, the, the environments that I came from. Because recruitment can be a bit ruthless. Um, and I really realised as soon as I set up the business, gosh, people want to see me win. And it was such a revelation. And not everyone you and I both know that. Some people don't want to see you in and that's okay, right? And that's fine. They're not your people. They're not your tribe. And that's probably some stuff they need to sort out themselves. And that's fine. No problem. We need that too. But the majority of people, they want to see you in and they will help you. And all those people, the people that gave me these testimonials of service, well, I haven't done a, you know, any service for them yet because they wanted to help me, put their name to it. They would do this. I had a candidate that became our key client, you know, so many things, so many people have wanted to help. So a key thing I would say is people actually want to see you win. Um, and that was a beautiful, beautiful thing for me to experience and see. And that's why I'm passionate about giving back because I've really received a lot of support and help. Um, so that's probably the first thing. And the second thing, aside from scaling and aside from all of that stuff, I'd say... Do something, and this isn't easy, this is a journey, but that is bringing you some contentment and fulfillment. Like there has to be some purpose. The big purpose of my business is that we are seeing more women, black and brown people at the top in decision-making places and at boards. That's my personal motivation. So yes, it's a business. I'm on the business to make money. I want my team to do really well. I want my team to make money. All of that stuff, we want to serve our customers, our clients 
to a fantastic level, all of that, but ultimately we're driven and I'm driven by this purpose. And that's really, really key. So even if it's on a really small fundamental level and you're doing an at-home business as a mum, whatever that looks like, what is the purpose? What is driving you? Um, and I think the third thing, and we've touched on this a lot, and this is a far enough thing, is just authenticity. As soon as you lead from a more authentic and more vulnerable pace, people drop those guards very quickly, straight away, and you can connect at a much deeper level straight away. Um, and they get more from you and you get more out of the conversation or the relationship as well. Um, and that's something I've learned more recently. Is the three really powerful lessons. I think even going into conversations, that first one particularly on people wanting to see you win, I think a lot of times it's easy for us to look at people who don't want to see us win. It's because of the hater and blah, 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 blah. But actually recognizing, no, there are people who are rooting for you. How do you just surround yourself more with those kind of people or connect with more of those kind of people rather than the, the opposites? It's, it's helpful in your journey. Because interesting, I think, a lot of people, including me actually from way back, you thought that you started your business because of The Apprentice, but you started your business before The Apprentice. No, before The Apprentice. Yeah. Yeah, I had the, I had the business two years before The Apprentice. When you left your last recruitment firm to start your own, what was that experience like for you? Do you want me to be honest? <laughs> Please. It's happens with each other when we talk. <laughs> I had this whole plan. I'm going to work in corporate. I'm going to try and save some money on the side, which I could just about even do because I had so many outgoes with children and all of that stuff. But in my head, and then I'm going to go on to set up this business when I've got six months worth of money in the bank and that's what I'm going to do. Didn't happen like that, Chopin. What happened was <laughs> I bought my first house. Amazing. I had absolutely no money. I'd actually borrowed money from some family members, you know, a little bit of money to try and make the deposit up, all of that kind of stuff. I actually owed money out. And I was working in a business that I'd moved to a really small business that was closer to my daughter's school. Again, same motivation. I couldn't collect them from school and drop them, but I'd be home earlier. I would be home at seven. I'd be home at like half five. Oh my God, game changer. Um, and I had a business partner. Um, actually, no, I had a boss. And he was someone I'd worked with before. Difficult character. And you come across these in business, you know, this is me being transparent. And uh, I told him my plan. I said, look, I want to set up my own business in about 12 months. I want to save some money. So I'm going to try and earn as much money for you as possible. Leave you in a good position with the business. My person who takes over from me and I want to save money. And this is my plan. Let's formulate a 12 month plan. Super ethical. <laughs> trying to be really transparent. By that afternoon, he'd offered me half of the business. Well, that's a red flag. But anyway. He'd offered me half business, only a small recruitment business. I thought, well, hold on. I've put in two years of work here. I've got all the client relationships. Maybe this is a fantastic idea. This isn't the way I envisioned it, but maybe it's a fantastic idea. It wasn't. And what materialised was I went on to be a director. Within a month, um, I realised there was some serious tax implications with the business and with the individual. Nothing to do with me, thank goodness. Because I'd only been on there for a month, I managed to negotiate my way straight out of the business. And that's what I did and left the business. Um, and then followed, he didn't want me to leave the business, so followed a very difficult legal situation, which the business um, folded and there was no issue. But it could have been highly stressful for someone else. Now, I'd been through a lot of different things before that. So for me, it was fine. I knew I'd done the right thing and it was fine. 
And it left me in a situation where I could have gone back to my old uh, corporate workplace. I'd still got fantastic relationships there. I could have gone to London, gone and didn't, you know, been a headhunter, got a high salary, I would imagine, at a big Shrek firm, the competitors that we have now. But then that would mean I'm away from my children because I'm in London. So how would I do that? How would I juggle it? Um, And I knew I wanted to start the business. And I thought, I'm going to do it. And my old business partner wouldn't pay me any money uh, because he didn't want me to leave. So I didn't get the salary and I thought I'm going to do it. And I knew I had the money to cover my bills that month. I knew I didn't have any after that. No one, that was it. Like, that's it. That's that's how it is. I knew I could cover my mortgage. I knew I could cover the first things. And I didn't have the children after school club and stuff because I was there. Took them out of that. Um, and that's what I did. So I had three weeks basically to bring in business so I created a website I created my whole proposition I was writing copy at like three in the morning there was no AI I was writing all of that my mum was unwell staying with me on the floor she had a back operation so she was like distraught on the floor on morphine didn't matter we were still gonna make it happen I got two young children at home still going rip this whole thing and within three weeks I'm on my first deal which is really quick um, and that's God won the first piece of business and it was a £20,000 piece of business, which is a lot of money. And that kept us going for like four or five months. And then I managed to bring in business after that. And that's what happened. And that client, and I said to him now since, uh, if only he knew the circumstances and what he'd created and changed in giving me that, that one assignment, that one piece of business. And that's what happened. And that's the truth of what happened. <laughs> and that's how Arthur Fox was born. Do you still work with that client now? Yeah, I do. Powerful. I'm actually helping him to secure a role now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I do. And I don't know if he looked at me and I went to sight and saw the desperation or what, but he went, yeah, I'm going to give it to you. And I thought, and that's what happened. I did have a business account. It didn't have an accountant, I didn't even have money to go in to be sorting that. My accountant was helping me before we ever paid him. Thanks, Jason. Um, that That's what happened and he helped me to navigate. Get yourself a great accountant. I tell you what, that's a piece of serious business advice because that relationship is the most instrumental one apart from everything you do because that person will really help to advise you and he really helped me to navigate my way out of that business relationship. And don't get me wrong, I'm so grateful that that happened because you know what? It pushed me to blooming do it and I did. Um, and that's, you know, that's the truth. And I learned some great things from that. I learned that, you know, you need to look at a company's books properly. You don't just become a director of a business in one afternoon. There's tax things that you need to make sure you're on top of. Like, I learned a lot from that. I'm so grateful that it happened. Um, but yeah, that was that was actually how the business was born. What did the idea for you to go on the apprentice come from? I was sitting at my kitchen. Well, I didn't have a kitchen table. What am I talking about? My house was tidy. I was sitting at a table in my living room that we'd eat dinner on and um, it was 11 o'clock at night and I was working and I saw Sugar, Lord Sugar, come on the TV. Man, I'm looking for my next business partner for you and all of that. And the applications were closing by 12 o'clock that night and I, this is honestly what happened. And I thought, well, I've got a business now. Maybe he could invest in my business because I didn't have a business before. And I thought, I'm going to apply Opened up another tab, quickly applied, went through the process thinking, this is a fun challenge, ha ha ha, like, this will get me out of my comfort zone, always trying to push forwards. Then I got offered it. And then I thought, what do I do now? 
because I've lived hiding for a lot of years, hiding completely my situation for a lot of years. Um, and they had to go and speak to my children's dad, who was in prison at the time, and his probation officer for safety reasons to make sure I could do the show. And because we had to wait for approval, I then didn't know if I was going to do it until just a, a very short period of time before. And for that reason, I thought, if that gets approved, I'm doing it because I'm not being controlled by this situation anymore. So I didn't have time to overthink it. And then I was thrust into doing a show. I didn't even have social media, nothing. Not even a WhatsApp picture. That's a remarkable story. And something that you just said around the fact you didn't have enough time to overthink it is what kind of pushed you forward. Whereas I think there are times when we overthink it, overanalyze it, overcontrolate it. You just took yourself out of it. You lean into that doubt, into that negative self talk. But not giving you that space or not having that space for you to do that is kind of what can help you to move forward sometimes. Same with the business. Didn't have time. Got to make it happen. Same thing. I just thought about it ever since my first day of going into recruitment and thinking, I can just do this myself. I'm confused. But years later. But years later now, when you look back on that journey from where you started, having to do it, getting the apprentice, coming out of that, getting the respite afterwards, but then the leaps and bounds you were able to make, navigating COVID, uh, which a lot of firms didn't make. A lot of firms have been existing for years, didn't make. It's, really tough. it's been tough since, yeah. Yeah, the age of yours, and you've just pivoted and done really, really well. What are you most proud of when it comes to um, how the fuck so far? I'd actually say the thing that I'm most proud of is the team that I've built around me because they're phenomenal. And they seem to think that it's great to report to me and be in this business. And that feels incredible from people that I respect so, so highly um, who are wonderful. And it's such a high performance culture that we've got here. And it's not driven from pushing KPR. I'm no interest in that. It's driven because people want to do really well. Um, and that's probably what I'm so proud of in terms of the actual business. Like it doesn't feel real. Even like the fitness, I'm like, God, that's how we do. Like it doesn't feel <laughs> Um, but there's so much more to do. I'm on the train still, aren't I? You know, it's just what's next, you know. Um, and definitely the board composition piece. Aside from you, I think when you go up on stage with your team and you've won awards for being the best in the industry, not just for client service and firm and all that, but for diversity, inclusion, you're making a difference um, right at the core of where I care. I'm not... The grassroots is cool, but this board piece, this more senior piece is where it all changes. That's the game changer. That is, uh, that feels great. Yeah, but so much more to do. Where did you, I guess, learn how to be able to lead other people and to build a good thriving culture that enables people to be able to want to be there and want to work for you and do all the great work that you and your team have won awards for them? Probably two different things. So I think the first one being a mum. I think being a mother um, from a young age, I've been having responsibility and looking after people, little people, now taller than me people, but for the majority of my life, pretty much all my adult life. Um, and something that I learned really quickly was that if I shout at my daughter, she's going to shout at me. 
If I speak to her with respect, she's going to speak to me with respect. So I'm to treat her exactly how I want her to treat me. And that is exactly how our household runs. And that theory is the reality. And I think that's something, I hope that's something that I've really took into the business. That I want to treat people how I hope that I've always, how I would hope that I'd always been treated. Respect them for exactly who they are and do right by people because it's the right thing to do. And what a privilege that they are dedicating their time, the most highly sought after commodity, to my business. It's our business. We're a team. It's ours. But ultimately, to a dream that I had in my bedroom where I used to write the logos on the wall and find pieces of ribbon for colours that I liked for the branding that I dreamt up years ago. And that is such a privilege. Um, so yeah, that's what I'd say. And then prior to, I worked in corporate and at 19 before I was pregnant with my daughter, I secured us a convent at Virgin. I used to work and I secured us a fantastic experience and I secured us a convent to take over the team that I had been sitting in. And that team was a team of 15 women, all older than me. Ranging from, I'd say, like mid-20s to early 60s. Now, when you're 19 and about to be pregnant, but I didn't tell anyone for five or six months because I wasn't sure how that was going to go down, you learn very quickly that you need to gain respect from people, you know, and the way to go about that is 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 not to be dictating, you know. It's to be really credible, to be really great at what you do and then to treat them with great respect to get the best out of people. Um, so those two things I'd, I'd hope to think I've still got loads to learn I'm open to any learns that you want to <laughs> impose on me but um, I, I, I think that those are the two things that have probably shaped the way that I look at business culture and leadership I was leaning in from that first one around being a mum and looking after people it's, it's a good one I remember when I um, people was asking me a question about leadership I was like actually I learned a lot from having the kids at 23 and being married at 22 that all those lessons from home is what I took into work. And I think a lot of times people reverse it. I need to become professional. I'm like, no, like the best place you're going to learn to be human is going to, is going to be at home. And if you can take those lessons, the good and the bad, and take that into work, it actually sets you apart because most people aren't doing that. Most people think they have to perform and put up a facade. Whereas when you lean into, you know, like you said, being authentic and being real, being what's you, you can connect with people and that's what actually endears them to you as well. And that actually got me thinking, the door's about to turn 16, you left home when you were 16. What has that journey been like for you as a mom, navigating, having a chance to <laughs> how you were at that age and how you were in, you were, you were challenging, you used to push the boundaries. How have you managed to be able to navigate parenting a 16 year old child? Yeah, yeah. You know what? People say a lot, teenage daughters, we hear teenage daughters a lot. I feel like that's more the pause. Oh, teenage daughters are terrible. Oh, you've got two daughters. Oh, yeah. I found it the most joyous experience, genuinely. Now, do not get me wrong. There has been time where she has walked out of the house. She's walking down the high street. I'm following her with the car. Get in the car, Rassisi. And my daughter's name, get in the car. Nope, nope. I'm like, you've got no money. You've got nowhere to go. I don't care. We've had them moments. <laughs> so don't think <laughs> that I'm coming from a place where everything's, that's not real. 
we absolutely have. But what I love about that is that's leadership qualities in my book. And I'm here for leadership qualities. And I was challenging because I'm a disruptor. I want to change things. And I think that I have thoroughly enjoyed it. And I love babies and all that. And that's amazing. And, you know, I'm going to make the organic food and I'm going to iron the baby grows. And that's fabulous. But I tell you, every stage, especially as they're getting older and they're young adults, to learn them and to understand them and to hopefully make them, you know, encourage them to be great people in this world um, has been scary at times um, and has been so joyous. And I think now looking and it's been damn hard, don't get me wrong, there's times when you're, you know, when you're working seven till seven and you're trying to make dinner and you're trying to clean the house and the baby's up in the night and you're feeding the babies and one's in the bed with you and one's head's over your head. And, you know, I I really know it and, you know, I get it. I really, really do. Um, But I look back at it all now and it's been really hard work at times, but gosh, it has brought me so much joy. And for me personally, I've just loved, loved being a mum. Um, and I am thoroughly enjoying the age she is. And I'm she is way more respectful than I was, to be honest. She does not push the boundaries, but she still pushes boundaries, but not in the same way I did. Um, but I actually really try and work with her because my biggest fear is a relationship that's broken down with me um, and her leaving the house because I do not want her to repeat a cycle that I did because although I'm grateful... I think I probably made it a hundred times harder for myself and it has been a real journey and a journey that I'm now grateful for but one that I guess you want your children to maybe have a slightly easier route than you I know that's not life but that's the truth so um yeah that's something I'm very protective of my relationship with both of the girls is priority I mean listening to them you know how I can support them and I don't always get it right but you know that is that is really 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 key um and me not pushing my own thoughts on her so I'm very ambitious she might not be as ambitious as me she's a whole different person to me that's something I've had to learn and understand and appreciate that she's a different person with a different life route to what I might think is right for her or not. She's going to go with what's right for her and I need to support her in that. Probably one of the hardest lessons as a parent to, to learn. I mean, I always say it with, with my two, where I'm like, I need to recognize that they're both growing up very, very differently to myself and my wife. Different generation. We've created a different life for our kids because that's what we wanted to do. Therefore, the struggles that we had, they're not going to have. And therefore, they're going to look at challenges a lot different to what we do. So how can we create environments, or not create environments, but how can we create challenges or help them to understand challenges in their own world? Yeah. Which is nice to say, but there are times when you're just like, seriously, like, come on. 100%. And there are times after just like, just pull myself back. Like, remember what you said. This is their world, their generation. How do you lean back into that and connect? It is not easy at all. It's not easy. It's so, so hard. And I'm like, go down the college route, down the university. I'm not sure if I even want to go to school. I'm like, I've, I've worked so hard for you to go to this school and I'll drive you there. I just don't think I want to go in this week, mum. 
No, she's got to go to school. But what I'm saying is, is it's it's um the perspective. I saw a brilliant piece of research. It's long, so I won't go into it. But it's basically saying that your experiences shape your perspective, negative and positive. And I talked about mine have mine definitely been a scarcity mindset. Um, I don't see that <laughs> in my children. And don't get me wrong, we're not living some big lavish lifestyle. I don't see it as much, but they need a bit of that. So she's actually just got a job, so she's going to have a reality check. She's earning six pounds an hour, so she's about to have a reality check of what hard work really means and what you what you get for that. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that <laughs> unfold. But the truth is, is they haven't experienced the same things that you and I have experienced, and they will experience, and they have experienced different things. Um, you know, and, and what I kind of love about the girls, they're so down to earth and, you know, we've, we've, the area we live in now is, you know, we've got a small house, but it's an affluent area. So some of her friends, they're literally living mansions. I keep, you know, I'm like, I'll pull up like, what the hell? Like, do we need to buy a ticket to get in here? Like crazy. And then some are just normal people. And yet they've also lived a life where they're very used to going up and down to prisons for visits every week. So they really have an understanding of two different worlds and different worlds. And that is what life is about. What a remarkable journey. And I guess as we kind of move towards the end, you launched um, your brand recently. Tell people about that and why. Well, you encouraged me, first of all. Thank you. I can give you all the flowers. <laughs> I only have a plant and that is from Ikea. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Yeah, I just, I really feel like, um, I really feel like I want to do more and I want to give more beyond Harper Fox Partners, main business. And I knew I needed a landing space to do that. Um, and so, yeah, again, going down a much more personal, authentic route, the business hasn't got my name or anything like that at all. Um, and I didn't ever want it to, but this is a me thing. Um, and Scarlet Lily is my actual name. Um and so I branded it as me. Um, and basically, I'm really passionate, I guess, about speaking. Um, so more keynote speaking, more panel discussions, spiking more hopefully really interesting conversations, sharing journey and authenticity to others, um, to empower females in particular, or people, but females, especially women of colour. Again, back to my Harper Fox purpose, um, through coaching, through conversations, mentoring. Um, and building eventually a community, a community where we do events. And we were just talking about, it. I don't exactly know what that vision is yet. I'm still unfolding, but I, I foresee that to be um, the way forward. And I feel like with Harper Fox Partners, you know, we'll hopefully get to a point where we can buy out our investors, we can scale this business, we can sell this business. I, I foresee that in the journey. And then this is the passion as well, uh, at the same time, that's hopefully just building gently in the background. Mm -hmm. I think there's there's something around power of storytelling, which you do really, really well. There's something around, let me paraphrase or rephrase, the power of authentic, genuine, vulnerable storytelling. Yeah. Which you do really, really well. Because people need to hear the real truth and need to hear that actually building a business is not always easy. It's not always like, I've got a plan and things are going to work out. It's navigating things like the pandemic it's making mistakes like that directorship and learning from them and then being able to build and grow into something else and so much more it's even taking some of your life experiences and being able to turn that to, to build the right culture for you so there's so many different things that you're constantly navigating as a leader as a founder as an entrepreneur 
that people don't tend to think about and it can be easily glossed over and you just look at all these different drill blazers and think everything's all made but you would dispel a lot of those myths in the way that you talk about your journey quite openly i think that's something that people need to to hear more about and hopefully they will connect with you and get you on those stages get you speaking to to men but more importantly more women just to encourage inspire and help to kind of build them up in the way that you've been doing so far through um, Hub Fox. I hope so. I hope so. Thank you, Shafet. And it's my last question to you then, B. How do you define leadership? So I had to think about this one for a second. So it's a big question. And I feel like it deserves quite a simple answer. For me, it's to lead people and people that respect you and trust in you to lead them. And there's so much more I can say. I'm in this space. You're in this space. I can talk about collaborate. I can talk about all these things. But I think ultimately is, is to have vision and to lead it. And to hopefully get the engagement of people along the way for you to all drive forward in the same direction and execute. Information around scarletlily.com, around Harper Fox, all the information that you can work with Scarlet and organization will be available for you in the show notes. But thank you very much for today, for your time, for this conversation. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I've learned some things about people, which I can actually know. It's been really good. But more importantly, it's been, I know a lot of people will be able to listen in and, and tap in and be encouraged and be inspired just to move forward and not to let their personal circumstances also hold them back, but actually turn that around. I use that as a way of a superpower in a sense to supercharge them and grow. So thank you very much for sharing. Thank you. Have a lovely turn. Thanks, Shafa. Thanks for everything you're doing as well. Every the leadership. We'll see you next. Thanks. While you're still recovering from that amazing conversation, let me give you a quick preview of what we got coming up next week. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. I haven't mentioned confidence as part of my foundation, but that self-confidence grew, that ability to always be the new kid in the class. Yes, I had my brothers, but they weren't in the same class as me. I said they were two years, a year and a half different, so I was always in a different year. I'd go to these different places and we'd land in these different countries. And I describe it now as being portable. So you have to be portable. You have to bring your confidence and your capability has to travel with you. 